2: and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
0: You're listening to the Jason Greger Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Experience all the excitement of the casino on your desktop or mobile device at PlayAlberta.ca. Sign up and receive a $50 welcome bonus using the promo code CASINO50. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thanks again for uh I know it's not a real big sacrifice cuz you love your fishing, but uh Mike from uh, Get Hooked Fishing Adventures uh he'll be the tour guide. Uh you'll be the gu- uh, the guest guide and then uh three uh people will be uh spending a day. Kind of tell me uh, about what you liked about it last year so much.
3: Yeah, it's it's kind of funny when you ask me, I kinda of chuckled it was like twist my rubber arm. Of course <laughs> I'll go fishing with Mike again. Uh I actually hired Mike uh, personally to take my mom and dad with me on the North Saskatchewan River for a day fishing and it was a fantastic time. Um what I liked about it was just it it's pretty casual. Uh he knows a lot about the species. He likes to have a good time. It's get in the boat, have a good time, catch some fish, tell some stories, and uh you know, you get to you get to experience the North Saskatchewan River. I don't know exactly how many species are in the river, but I want to say it's in the twenties of different species. You're targeting a select few that you're going after walleye, pike, uh, gold eye, You catch a lot of them, but you never really know what's going to grab your lure. There's big lake sturgeon in there too. And if you hook into one of those, you'll certainly know it. Um, he also does guide on the lakes as well. We did the river both times. You did it personally, personal milling and I also did it for, um, your charity function as well. And that was a great time. I mean, um, we had a great time fishing that day and caught some, some fish. And you know what, um, yeah, that's all I can really say, but I mean, Mike's a great guy, um, we have a good time, and um, I love fishing, so I'll thank you for asking me to do it again.
0: Oh, well, that's awesome. So, uh, And uh, a few stories from Louie, because uh, so, obviously most people are avid fishermen who want to do this, you don't have to be, but uh, it's a full day of fishing, obviously you have a catered lunch uh, as well, and uh, great times on the boats, and you stop in a lot of numerous places along the way, right?
3: You do, yeah, and, and you know he obviously has his holes that he likes to go to, and he's been on the river for a long time, and he and he and he stops where he feels it gives you the best opportunity. But that's also part of it too, right? It's not just about the fishing. You're, uh, you know, you're kind of going up and down the river. You're trying different spots. You're seeing all the scenery, and um, you know, I know Chris, the gentleman that uh, that purchased it last time. Um, um, Chris Pullen, right? Uh, he uh he, he fished with me the whole day and it was just fun. It was a fun day and we had a lot of conversation, told a lot of stories and you know, listen, I mean I mean people are diehard fishermen for the most part you're 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 donating some money to a charity, you're getting to go on a fishing excursion and tell some stories with myself and Mike, who's a good storyteller himself. And for me, uh, listen, you can you can fish the lake too, and that's also part of. It. I know Mike will would probably explain that to the to people or whoever does end up getting the trip. Um, you you can pick the lake, you can pick the river, whatever you decide you want to do fishing. Usually, I leave that up to the guide though. Mike knows better than we do if, where he feels you can go and have a good time. But the river's a unique experience. It's right in front of our eyes every single day. We drive over bridges every day, but. To get on it in a boat and experience it that way is a completely different feeling in the city. And it's not right in the city. It's outside the city. So you're, you're kind of in an area where it just you almost feel like you're somewhere different. It's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I know the lakes can be great, too, but I really found the river fascinating because I haven't fished it that much. And uh, I used to fish the banks of it a lot when I first got here. Back in the 90s, I used to fish a lot, uh, just just kind of wading and walking the banks and, and catching a lot of different species of fish that way. But I had never done it from a boat, and it was a great experience.
0: Awesome. So uh, you want to fish with uh, with Louie, we're now up to uh, 1,200 uh, from Nathan on the uh, the package. So 833-401-1440. Uh, uh, Lou, the uh, the orders last night, uh, to me, yeah, they, they had a lot of shots, but they had way too many shots blocked, and they had way too many perimeter shots Last night. Yeah. I, f- I felt like they settled too often for what you'd kind of call the easy play. Like, I give the Islanders credit for getting in the lane, but when it's happening that often, you got, you got to take the extra step. you got to find a way to get the shot around guys.
3: And they got so good at that, Jason. You know, for a little while, that eight-game win streak, if you watch it, they were so good controlling that and making sure that if they didn't get the shot through, they were at least getting the puck down into the danger zone, down into an area where you can fight for it again, and typically recover it because when a, when a, defense, a team's in the defensive zone – they're kind of clashed in that structure. They're too busy preoccupied trying to take their men. When a puck, the flex goes into the corner. you chip it down the wall. The offensive team are usually the ones that are so focused on what's happening with the puck are the first to get to the puck. We always talk about creating that chaos with shots, and I thought a few times that they did it where they just kind of fired shots from different angles but made sure they got it in there. It deflected. It, it you know, got sent into the corner. It was a recovery. Now you're getting the formation to have to regroup, settle in, and, and look at a different look from offense. I agree. There were too many shots that were easily blocked, um, and I know it's, it's just a commitment, and the owners are the best team in the league. You have to take your hat, and they're the best team in the league at pocket shots. On average, per game, they are the best. And they showed it last night, and they kind of shut down in the end. I, I kind of said to Jack after the game, I said, I don't really remember Sorokin making a real high-quality save. Okay? I, I, I really had to scratch my mind yes. and say, okay, where was a save that he made that I was like, wow, that should have probably gone in the net? I don't remember. He made a lot in tight. You've got to give him credit for that. He had his pads down flat. He was strong on his post. Hyman at least had five or six jams away in front of the net where he walked it out, and guys were bashing away at that puck. But um, I agree with you, Jason. I, I just felt, for me in the first period, and, and you know, I, I kind of could feel it slipping away from it. I, I tried to verbalize that the best that I could, where maybe I didn't do the best job. But, but I, was, I felt like they weren't managing the game very well. They're up one nothing, and if you look at the three losses in, in Florida and Carolina, two in Florida and one in Carolina, before they won the eight-game win streak, it was very similar. They had leads in those games, and they didn't manage the game after getting up in those leads. They started to play a little bit of pond hockey when they're going north and south. The New York Islanders are a team right now that have found their offensive game. They love that style of game, and they're very willing to exchange chances in that regard. And it showed in that game, especially in the midway point of the first period where... You're giving breakaways to, you know, Matthew Barzell. You're turning pucks over. You're, you're, you're giving two on ones. It's just it, to me, um, what made them so effective in that game industry and what I found so impressive was they controlled the game for the most part. There was a couple games, yes, that went a little bit sideways at times, but they managed it. But for the most part, they were in control of the games, and I felt they lost control about halfway through the first period last night. I don't know if they ever really got it aside from the fact. They're pretty good for pressing. you got to give them credit for pressing like they did but they just didn't get inside enough of
0: chances. Louis debrus joins us and uh, speaking of getting inside Louis uh, Connor Brown um you know looks like he'll be a healthy scratch uh tomorrow based on line rushes today in New Jersey and uh, I, I crunched some numbers from sport logic uh, Connor Brown has a total of seven inner slot shots this season seven the only guys with fewer are James Hamlin and Adam Ernie who uh, don't play as many games and definitely don't play as many minutes, right? Like Sam Gagne has only played 17 games. He has 12. He has almost double the amount, and he has four goals. Like Connor Brown, you know, he can say, oh, he's coming off injury, whatever. A, he played in the top six for a lot of his games, and he's not going to the net. Like it's it to me. This is long overdue the fact that he's going to get a seat in the press box, and you know we'll see if that wakes him up. Because when you crunch those numbers, man, for a guy who's not supposed to be like a you know a, a passer or a pretty player, the fact that he only has seven inner slot shots is pretty damning.
3: You can sense that he's tripping the stick a little tight too. I mean, he you, know, you watch him that two on one he had last night. I like the fact that he shot the puck. I think it was the right call. Why try and force a pass through a defender that's giving you the shot lane? And he just blew it high and wide. You know, he just—he's really trying too hard to pick that corner perfectly. And I—I I think honestly, and I don't—I haven't talked to Chris about it yet, and we'll get an opportunity tomorrow before the game to talk to him. But I really think this is also a reset for him. I just think you know what—he's just there's a frustration level there. He hasn't produced where he wants to be productive at a level that he wants to be productive and also from the team's perspective, obviously, hasn't scored a goal all season. Sometimes a seat in the press box is all it takes to reset, take a look at the game from a different perspective. I'm sure he'll be right back in the lineup. and. You know, either in the next game or right after the Christmas break, if you end up beating jury tomorrow, sometimes you don't want to change the lineup, and I understand that. It's time for Adam Murray to get into the lineup. In my opinion, he played a great game the last game that he played. He's a physical guy; he gives you that dimension. Um, yeah, you know, it's time. It's time in that regard to, to to have him sit up in the press box and take a look. The thing that's allowed him to stay in the lineup, let's face it, he works hard. He's really good in battles. He's good in the penalty kill. The offensive numbers just haven't been there, and you expect that from a guy that came in on the contract that he's in, and also through these tags the two-time twenty-goal floor with two different teams, you kind of expect the chip in offensively. And right now, with the shuffling of line, they broke up a line that was absolutely on a tear. I mean, you hate to see that on a team. You hate to see uh, coach has to go and break up a line that had the chemistry and what was going on with Nugent, Hopkins, McDavid, and Hyman. They were they were lighting up. They were spending. Tons of time in the offensive zone. They were constantly in the pluses as far as form against chances. It was incredible what they were doing. With the puck. And we have to break that up to try and find some depth in the scoring up and down the line. Connor Brown is one of those reasons. It's not just, and I'm not putting it on him. Um, Evander Kane, I've talked about one, even stepping that goal in the last eight games. Now he had eight in the previous eight. So he's gone cold a little bit. They need to find some production from different guys. It can't always be McDavid and Bryce. Ailes, right? So, Did get the first goal last night, but his production has suffered from the wingers that he's played with, and now they're trying to shuffle to find that bounce. It's a a season-long dilemma that coaches always go through, try and find that perfect mix. It's why they're always tweaking lines, but I always have said it. I hate seeing a really good thing broken up at the expense of others, and that's kind of what's happened here, and it didn't work last night. They did create some chances, but they'll move forward and try a different mix again. And hopefully, setting up the press box for Connor Brown, he can he can just reset. And that's, that's the only word I can use for it because that's all it's going to take is a reset. And uh, you can just see it. There, there's just times where he gets that chance, typically he would put in the net. Um, he, he, you can tell he's just trying a little bit too hard. And I know that's cliche, but it's true. When you're frustrated and you haven't put a puck in the net, maybe one will bounce off in the next game he gets in there.
0: Louis Debrus joins us, analyst for the Edmonton Owners, uh, they there in New Jersey tomorrow and then taking on the Rangers on Friday, uh, suddenly on a three game losing streak. And, you know, these next two games are pretty, the last thing you want is going a five game losing skid, uh, before Christmas, yeah. right? Anytime you have an extended well, break, you don't want to feel bad about yourself. And like the, like the orders, as you said last night, Louis, like I didn't think they, like they, they the, the the shot clock and everything, I thought, misled on really how they played. I agree with your analysis. I didn't think Sorokin really yeah. was ever called upon to have to make any sort of a big save in that game yeah. last night. And I, I'm curious if they can, you know, like where they can go, you know, how they find their game. Like, New Jersey's probably a better matchup because they're, they're, a, they're a smaller team. They're not overly physical. And, you know, maybe that plays in better for Edmonton.
3: You know, it's funny because I... I have to give the credit to the Islanders last night. They did a great job. They were missing Mayfield, Pallock, and I mean, those are three of their top six defensemen all the time. And I would argue, you know, the know, when, when Pollock and Pollock were playing together, and Pollock was bust a little bit this year and tried to spread that out a little bit. I know Larry Lambert was talking about that when they were in there in the 13th, and just the fact that they were trying to uh, or the 18th, I can't even remember what day it was, now they were back in, in Evanston, but you know, they want to spread out that defense score, but those are three of the regulars that were out of the Three big guys that are out of the lineup that know how to defend. The guys that stepped in there, I have to give them credit. They did play a real hard game and they did for the most part keep it to the outside. When Edmonton tried to penetrate, they defended well, they were physical, they had good sticks. So I'm not trying, I'm not sitting here and saying Edmonton didn't do anything in the game, but sometimes when you're in a situation like that, it kind of, it just kind of catches, it, 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 I'd say Sneaks up on you that you're not getting a lot done. You almost feel like you're doing something well, but then you kind of look at it and go, wait a second, though. We haven't had that real good chance that we've been looking for. What's going on here? If you look at the three goals they scored, okay, the first goal, it gets through Stuart Skinner, but it's a tap in for Lee behind them. Nobody was there to defend him on a penalty kill. Give him credit, he's in the position, he finds the bug. Two on one shorthanded one timer. Okay, sorry, it's pretty tough, but a guy's got five shorthanded goals. And Horvat in the slot. I right down Main Street, beautiful pass by Nelson. It's a laser that gets through there. And he didn't hold on He received a really hard pass, got it away, high on the far side, almost impossible to get across. I mean, if he would have made that save, if he would have got across it on a blocker on Horvat's shot, it would have been the highlight of the game. That's the one we would have used for play of the game because that's the save you just don't see in the It's almost impossible. But it does happen one in a thousand times that a guy puts a shot in the corner like that, but it didn't happen on this night. Those are good chances, though, is what I'm talking about. Edmonton, what, what was a great chance they had? What was the chance that they had in that game when you go, yeah, that should have been a goal? And I, was, I had to scrape and claw in my mind to kind of find that chance. So you think they're doing the right things because you're funneling a lot of pucks into that area. I do think they can have a heavier presence in front of the net. In the eighth game, what was can i I'll say I was really um, – you know, for me, noticeable how well they went to the front of the net. Had someone parked there, you demand the attention when you're standing in front of the opposition goaltender, you muck around that area, we saw goals by Kane, by Hyman, Newton Hopkins right in front of the net where he batted out of the air. I'm just thinking of a few that I've seen, drunk early in the game, bam, he scored right around the net in the scrum. Those are the mucky kind of goals that if it's not going in cleanly for you, you're not making your passing play. sometimes you've got to just put the hard hat on and say, okay, we're skilled enough, but if we go out there and grind, our skill is even going to be better because we're going to make it difficult position. And they've been great at that. They've been really good at that. They got away from it the last few games, I feel. I think you're going to see them get back to that against Jersey tomorrow. I just think that's what they have to do. On one more of note too, Jay, about um, the healthy scratching of Connor Brown, you have, there's an accountability too from a coaching perspective. Yeah. So when you have a player that's not producing and you have guys that are saying, I know they only have one forward right now that's out in Adam Ernie, but you're moving guys up and down the lineup. The guys are trying to contribute, doing different things. There's an accountability there that you have to keep up well, up and well for everybody to understand that if you're not doing what you need to do in the lineup, that you might be. And uh, you know what? It's unfortunate. You don't like to see it from anybody, but maybe this is the spark he needs. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking that, the worms should turn for with just a little reset.
0: Louis, great stuff, man. We appreciate it and thanks again for uh for offering up uh, your day to go fishing. Uh be a- Selling a little or a lot?
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: lot of fun. Hey, let's go fishing.